Thank you, uh, Asha. What an amazing morning. You know, every Sunday we say this and it because it's true. You know, God was in the worship, in the sharing, and the prophetic sharing. And how many of you were blessed by the morning's worship? You know, I was blessed. I was just so reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness. So thank you so much, uh, Lasia, for being sensitive uh, to the Holy Spirit's leading and following his unction. Well, the Lord has fallen on me to complete the series in the Beatitudes that we have been doing. You know, we've been looking at the Beatitudes over the last few weeks and today is the last in the series. We said it's good for us to finish it in this year rather than carry it over to the new one. Okay, because uh, though we thought, hey, this is a time for Christmas, Christmas messages, but well, let's look at what Jesus has to say about uh, the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of heaven looks like. What does it look like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? As we saw, you know, we said that Jesus came to usher in his father's kingdom. We called it an upside down, inside out kingdom. We know that at the time that Jesus walked on earth, Israel as a nation was under great political under Roman rule. Uh, fina uh, their economic condition was very poor and dismal. And they were, to top it all, they were also oppressed spiritually because they rose up this group of people called the Sadducees and Pharisees, you know, in that 400 year period that added so many more laws to what the laws that God had given Moses that became such a heavy yoke upon the people, you know, and they were the dom they were dominating. Uh, the Judaic faith at that time and had completely misinterpreted the law that had made it such an oppressive religion. Jesus, as I said, came to turn his kingdom that was actually turned upside down. The Pharisees turned it upside down. He came to turn it right side up. He says, you guys have messed it up, messed it up completely. He says, and I'm going to show you how can you live this kingdom life the right side up inside out because the pharisees had completely focused on outside how you wash your hands how many jira you put in the offering how many you know that's a dill cumin cumin is jira no dill shepu they were counting all those things and putting and they, that is what they were focused on and said, jesus saying it's not not about this it's about your heart and I was just thinking ab about this and you know, in some ways we charismatics or evangelicals have given the Old Testament bad press. And I want us to look with fresh eyes at the Old Testament because I was just thinking about it and we keep saying, oh, Old Testament was so oppressive, so legalistic, so this, so that all scripture is God breed and inspired. Is it not? Do we believe that? And if it was so rotten, why does David say the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul? The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy and altogether lovely. They are more precious than gold, more precious than refined gold. 
was he mad? You know, we say one screw loose. No, you know, Job says, I have desired your word more than uh, food. The very psalm we have been meditating on today, Psalm 103, if it was so legalistic, how does David write, who forgets all my sins and removes it as far as he, the east is from the west? Is that not the gospel of grace? Is it not? Yes. It was there in the Old Testament, but they failed to see it. They failed to see it. And my encouragement to you is read the Old Testament with fresh eyes, the way Jesus would want us to see his law. Okay? Jesus is the word of God. Is he just word of God is just Old New Testament? It's the whole council. So can anything in that be bad? You know, it was the interpretation and the understanding and the application that was faulty. You know, it's like someone who, who has a Ferrari and then puts two ropes on it and straps it to two bulls in the front and uses it like a bullock cart. You see, and they complain, this thing is so heavy, man, doesn't even do anything, can't even uh, till the land, hopeless blooming bullock cart this is, let's throw it out. Till the maker of a Ferrari comes along and say, hey, what are you doing? This is not the way to run a Ferrari here. This is a key, you turn it, zoom, and he presses the pedal and takes the guy for his message. Wow, I didn't know. And that's exactly like the law. They, they, they put encumbered it on other things that were just so unhelpful. And Jesus comes and unhinges the Ferrari and says, this is how you need to understand it, this is how you need to apply it. And the Sermon on the Mount starts with blessing. Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. You know, for all those who want to be in the kingdom of God, there's blessing upon blessing. And just to note, if you read Malachi, the Old Testament ends with curses, the New Testament opens with blessings. So today let's dive into our verse, but before we do that, Let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I invite you. I know my time is short, uh, but I pray, God, every word that I speak, may it speak life, health and peace. May it bring transformational growth in each one's heart today. Amen. Remember, we said the Beatitudes cannot be understood or seen in isolation, but they need to be understood, they need to be uh, looked at in totality, like a symphony. You don't just listen to the violin or to the bass or to the drums, you'll say, this is lousy music. But when you put it together, you hear this amazing sound. And so it is with the Beatitudes, you know, um, if you think about it, he says, you know, it starts with, as we've seen, poor in spirit, you cannot come to God, you cannot access the kingdom of God unless you recognize the poverty of your spirit, that you need a savior, you mourn over your sinful condition and that makes you come to God with meekness and humility. Okay? From that place you realize that, ah, I need to hunger and thirst after the things of God and you begin to hunger and th thirst after righteousness and because you understand what God has done for you, you are able to be merciful 
because without having had poverty of heart, uh, in spirit, you will not understand mercy. And because we are able to be merciful and we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we can then, our heart is pure and we are pure in heart, we are focused, we are devoted and because of the, the purity in our heart, we seek to become peacemakers. You will say, you know, true happiness, the blessing of God, the favor of God comes when we live in right relationship with Him and in right manner, when we fulfill the law of God in the way it is supposed to be. Now, we look at the first four Beatitudes and note that the first four Beatitudes have got everything to do with our relationship with God. And the last four Beatitudes have got everything to do with how we live it out with people. Okay? Mercy, God does not need mercy, we have to be merciful to people. Pure in heart is towards man and God. Peacemaking is towards people. And now we have the last one, you know, and you say, wow, so if I live these seven Beatitudes, what is the blessing in for me? What is in it for me? You know, any takers? What is that last blessing? You know, it says, this is what will happen to you if you truly are a Christ follower. Blessed are the persecuted for the sake of righteousness or for the sake of Christ. This is a natural, um, what would you say, uh, progression. This is a natural progression that happens. If we live according to the standard of the kingdom, this is what is going to happen. Blessed are the persecuted for the sake of righteousness or Jesus says for my sake. Okay? I like the way that Jesus is not careless with his words. He is very clear about who is blessed and why this person is blessed. Who is blessed? Person who is in the kingdom of God. Who is blessed? The person who is persecuted for the sake of righteousness for my name's sake. Why? For my namesake, not for any old reason. So, let us look at this. You know, what, first, let us look at what persecution is not. Let us be clear about what persecution is because we call anything persecution and we say, oh brother, I am suffering persecution. Let us be clear about what persecution really is. You know, it is not, you are not persecuted if first of all, if you do something foolish, you are not blessed. Okay? Even if it is a Christian thing, but it is done out of where there is no love in your heart or you have been brash, you have been careless with your words and then people react to you, that is not persecution. We are called to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Yes, we are called to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks us the reason or the hope to which we have been called. And there is a flip side and yet your speech must be seasoned with salt. You must be gracious and your speech must be seasoned with salt at all times. You know, our deeds need to speak much more than our words. Have we been loving? Have we been gracious? Have we been kind? You know, they will know we are disciples from, because of our love one for another, not just because we know how to mouth certain things. When we engage in acts of mercy, you know, people see the love of Christ in us and it is that that must provoke the questions where people ask you, why are you different? Why are you so hopeful? How come you are not afraid? And then you can give an appropriate answer. 
do not be offensive in your language towards other people's faith. We are not called to be disrespectful or to disrespect their belief. If we've learned anything from all the seminars we've done on relational dynamics and practicing a culture of honor and respect and empathy, that is one thing you do not do. You don't compromise the truth, but you don't have to go bad mouthing other, what other what you are not convinced about. And I find a very good example in the Apostle Paul. You know, when he went to Athens and he saw all these statues and all these uh, images all over the city. You know, what did he say? He says, Ah, I see that you guys are God fearing. He commended them for their desire to know God. So look for something that you can always appreciate. And then he says, but now, and he says, and you have an, a statue to the unknown God. Well, folks, do you want to know who that unknown God is? Let me tell you. What did he first do? He empathized with them. Because he empathized with them, they were willing to say, yeah, okay, tell us, tell us. This man seems to respect our, our, our God-fearing uh, you know, ways. And that opens the door for, for Paul to preach and many are saved. So look for such opportunity. Don't go telling people your God is this, your God is that. That is obnoxious. Okay? That is rude and that is disrespectful. Do not force people to do anything um, against their conviction. You, know, you may be convinced not to have certain things in your home and I am not going to get into details. We can discuss that in the gym because of you believe what scripture says, but that does not give you the authority to go to anybody's house and pull anything out of their home. Please do not do that. You do that and you get brickbats, you are being persecuted for the spirit of stupid. Okay? Do not do that. You do not have the authority to do that. You can pray for them, you can point them to scripture. Again, do not provoke the authorities. Okay? Do not go around putting a bullseye on your face saying, come hit me. Do not do foolish things. The Chinese church and the church of South Korea knew how to survive in persecution because they were wise as serpents and innocent as doves. However, if you are living the Beatitudes right, trust me, you will face persecution. Okay? You will say, why? Why? I am living a good life. I am helping people. I am serving people. I am loving people. I am praying for people. What is this Christian life? It is for exactly that reason, my friends, that you will face persecution. You know, light and darkness have nothing in common. You know, we, <coughs> we come from two opposing kingdoms that have nothing in common at all. You know, in Corinthians he says, he says, you know, the gospel is a sweet aroma for those who are being saved, but it is a stench in some people's nostrils and we just got to accept that. Even the Christians in the, in, in the early church were persecuted. They were accused of cannibalism because they ate the body and drank the blood. Are, what kind of people these are men, man eating people, you know, and they call them cannibals. They, they uh, call them immoral because they had love feasts. The potluck that we have, they call love feasts, but the Romans also had a love feast that was very debaucherous, you know, saying, look at them and free sex these people are having. So, they, they passed all kinds of rumors about the early Christians. They were also called fanatical because they refused to bow to Nero. They refused to, to acknowledge the Roman emperor as God. 
So, they were accused of all kinds of things. Do we not face the same today? You know, uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Pe uh, Peter told his readers, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you. 1 Peter 4.12, 1 Peter 4.12, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you as though something strange is happening to you. He said, do not be surprised. You know, James 1, 2 to 4, James 1, 2 to 4, James says, you know, he says, count it pure joy when you face trials of what? Many kinds, many kinds. In John 15, 18 to 19, John 15, 18 to 19, he says, the world will hate you. Jesus says, just as they hated me. He says, you were of the world and the world would love its own, but because you are not of this world, because I choose you out of this world, because of this, the world will hate you. Jesus even said, no servant is greater than his master. Whatever he faced, you will face. You know, and the apostles of that time found it a privilege to be persecuted and tortured for the sake of Christ. You know, it, uh, I do not know whether history, rumor, letters, what, where, but it says, you know, Peter, when he was burnt, and he says, I do not count it worthy to, uh, when he was uh, uh, crucified. I do not count it worthy to be crucified right side, uh, you know, head up. He says, crucify me head down. I cannot be crucified like my Lord. He says, I do not deserve that. That was the attitude of the apostles of that day. I mean, there were others, early Christians, at the stakes when they were burning. You know, they were sang hymns, they said, till the fire consumed them and you could hear their voice through the fire. Can you, we would be screaming with pain, saying they were, they were praising Jesus and they were saying, we counted worthy to be sacrificed at the stakes for our Lord. That, my friends, is our calling. Can we embrace it? Can we embrace it? So, we have seen what persecution is not, but what is righteous living? What is righteous living? Righteous, true righteousness is not done for its own sake, but for Christ's sake. It's living according to the word of God. There is a difference between self-righteousness and righteous living. Okay, Difference between self-righteous and righteousness. Self-righteous is when we think we are right and we defend our convictions and sometimes we are right in our own eyes, but very wrong according to the word or anything else. We could even be morally upright but we are defending our stand because it is my stand and that is exactly that. We are not defending it for Christ's sake. So, every moral person who is persecuted, are they blessed? It says, blessed are the, you who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for Christ's name sake. Righteousness for Christ's sake is the qualifier. Okay? So, not every moral person who is persecuted is blessed in this manner. Righteousness for Christ's sake may sometimes mean letting go of your ego or letting go of the issues because in that situation, love is the greater motive. It is doing the right thing that Jesus would want us to do in every situation. Therefore, and for that, my friends, we need to constantly walk in step with the Holy Spirit, listening to Him, abiding in His word, you know. It is a daily walk. There is no formula that I can give you. Do, do this, 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 don't do this, this. We can only give principles as a guideline. Putting the Sermon in, of the Mount into practice, my friends, is not easy. 
Is it, is it ever easy to love our enemy? To pray for those who bless you, who curse you? Huh? To do good to those who despisefully use you? That's what he goes on to elaborate the Sermon on the, uh, the Beatitudes. Beatitudes are only from verses 1 uh, to 11. But then from chapter 5, 11 to the end of chapter 7 is an expounding of these Beatitudes. Read it. Okay. Um, so the kingdom of God is not about my entitlements, my rights. It's about laying down my life. What does persecution look like today on a daily basis? Okay, you're talking about people that are burnt at the stake, crucified upside down. But what does it look like for you and I today? Not all of us are called to be martyrs. Not all of us would ever, uh, you know, experience any kind of persecution in this manner or go to jail or face death. Yet, our convictions on a daily basis should be a challenge and can be a provocation and we need to learn to grow strong in our convictions by taking small steps, small stands every day. You know in uh, Jeremiah 4, I have written the, the reference somewhere, it says, if you have not walked with men how will on foot, how will you race with horses? So, if we have not built up the stamina or to have Christian convictions in our daily life, how are we going to face bigger trials in our life? So, let us look at this, you know, at work, logging in on time, even though your friends are strolling in at 11.30 in the morning, doing what is asked of you without fudging the details, okay, without uh, being pressurized by team members to, to be dishonest or they guilt trip you, Are the whole team will get a bad rating just because of you. What will you do in such a situation? White lies that you are asked to say or white lies that you tell to cover up your own flaws, your own mistakes, your own goof ups. Okay? You have missed a deadline, you cover it up by, oh, you know, my internet was bad, my this, my that. You know, how many, how many times have we done things like that? You know, no one is going to pat you on the back for being honest. Don't think I was honest and people were, did all this kind of thing to me. No, don't expect to be praised. When colleagues leave you out of their socializing because you kind of prick their conscience because they know what they are going to be doing is uh, not quite right, you know, hookah, fukka, all those things, you know, let's get high types. They don't want you around, okay. When the, when the boss has it in for you because you work hard. You come in on time, you do your work, you clock in and then you want to establish a work-life balance. There is nothing that you have done is incomplete, but he has it in for you and he denies your promotion. What will you do? What will you do? Or come closer home. If you are the only Christ follower in your home and your family taunts you for your faith or threatens to disown you, what will you do? Will you compromise? When you refuse to marry someone who is not of your same of your faith and conviction and the family is harassing you, what will you do? Will you compromise or will you take a stand? For some of us, this is a matter close to when you are on the building committee and you refuse to party with a wrong decision. You know, they are doing something illegal, they are doing something wrong and then they are out to get you, slander you 
and throw you out of the committee. Yeah, it's Jeremiah 12.5. If you have run with men on foot and they have tired you out, then how can you run as fast as horses? So we learn to practice our convictions on small things. So when I'm living a righteous life, why do I get persecuted? Why? Why would anyone do something or be against someone who is meek, who is pure in heart, who is a peacemaker? Think about it. It sounds odd, doesn't it? You know, does it make sense? Blessed are the peacemakers, for, there's a, for they shall be called sons of God. And just boom, following after that, blessed are those who are persecuted. That that's the very thing. Because you hunger and thirst after righteousness, because you seek peace, because you seek to be pure and you don't compromise, my friends, is the very reason why you might face persecution. And there are two responses that people have to our righteous living. Either it can provoke someone to be curious to know the hope to which you have been called. And I can give you from my own life, I am not saying this to toot my hoot, but you know, hoot my toot or whatever it's called or blow my trumpet. But I had this friend, God bless her, she is now with the Lord in heaven rejoicing. But when I was doing my masters, we used to take the rickshaw together. And one day she turned around and asked me, so why is your face shining? What's different about you? <laughs> and an answer, I have not given anyone since or before that was I said, it's Jesus. And she just looked at me. She gave me this awkward laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I go to the Catholic charismatic. <laughs> you know, I said, yeah, that's true. Why don't you come to my church as well? Cut a long story short, many of you have met her, Mina Koilo, became a Christian, a follower of Christ, brought her kids to faith, brought so many others to faith, was this crazy woman who loved Jesus and was such an evangelist, you know, went to Australia and influenced hundreds of children's lives. She was a teacher and a brilliant teacher at that. She had hundreds of kids at her funeral just saying how Mina impacted their life. This is her amazing legacy and I get to be a part of it simply because I don't know for some reason God used me at that time to provoke this uh, question in her. The other response you can get is it can provoke persecution because they can't deal with their own guilty conscience. So they blame you for making them you uh, they blame you for making them feel the way they do. They're disturbed inside. They don't know what to do. And they say, this one, yeah, yeah, she's a bigot. She's a fanatic. And they, they, they want to, the blame game because they can't bear to look inside. When people love their evil lifestyle or choices or something false, they need to justify that love. And so what happens is they demonize you because unless they do that, they can't hate you. Okay, And we've seen this in history as well. Entire groups of people, ethnicities have been demonized because unless you demonize them, you can't hate them, you can't torture them, you can't uh, uh, lynch them. And a similar thing is happening. We are being demonized. Okay, We are being uh, all kinds of false things being said about Christians because you want to stir up hate. So they need to believe false things in order to justify their hate. And the, that is the root 
cause of persecution. The unbelieving world simply has no stomach for godly righteousness. So you will be persecuted for your faith. You will be called narrow-minded. You will be called a fanatic. And I know people who have been persecuted like this. There's a good friend of ours, Samir Deokulier, who is in Delhi. And when he told his parents about his faith, when he told them he wanted to get baptized, they told him, leave the house. And he did. And this is what he suffered. They never came to his wedding. His mother never set foot in his house for almost 25 years. It is only recently, in the last two or three years, his father would come, but not she, because she took a vow. But it's only now, and they are married, I think, one year more than us. They are married 31 years. Uh, recently, I remember Jackie saying that her mother-in-law came to their home. This is what he had to suffer for the sake of Christ, you know. And he has had an amazing influence. Samir has been on that uh, TV program. He had the opportunity to share the Christian faith for, I think, around 10 or 15 years. God has used him mightily to plant many uh, churches amongst. He was the first one to plant churches amongst our Hindi communities. You know, there is a sacrifice, my friends, but then there is also God blesses your sacrifice in many ways. And I'm just I'm highlighting Samir where we have last year in our, in our own midst who had her own uh, battles and you can ask her personally okay don't want this because this is going live i don't want to talk about it but you can ask her ask her what she went through okay get hold of this book fox's book of martyrs sometimes we think you know what we've gone through is so hard read the book fox's book of martyrs it will undo you every other problem we face will pale into insignificance once you read that book. And I'm not saying this to undermine the troubles we go through, but it sometimes it just helps bring perspective. Lifestyle choices. When you choose to be pure, you say, no, I will not compromise on purity before marriage. When you choose to be exclusive in your marriage, you say, I will not, I will not compromise my vows in marriage. I will keep my marriage bed holy. When you, do, when you refuse to compromise on how you raise your children, okay, when you refuse to compromise on your understanding of gender, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, you know. And when we say, I love you, but, you know, I can't agree with your lifestyle choices, you know, you will get slandered, you will get all kinds of things being said about you. Come closer home. Church. Church? Are you church? We are all of the same values, no? Same value system. Who is going to torture you in church? Yes, you get tortured in church also. Okay? People will persecute you. They will slander you. They will speak evil against you, especially if you confront their sin. We have faced this many, many times. When you tell someone what they have done is wrong, and they don't want to accept it, they start bad-mouthing you. They start nitpicking on you, putting you under a microscope. See, see, how can they talk like this? They did this, they did. Nobody said we are perfect, but we are called to, to, um, to be our brother's keeper. Okay? And unfortunately, that is the job, uh, that is the lot that falls on the leadership. Okay, we have seen this when we have told people, hey, listen, that lifestyle is not, it's not right. Don't do it. It's, it's going to take you down the path of hell. 
you are going to live a, a, a hell on earth no what do you know i know i'll bring her to faith man i'll bring her i can she'll come to faith and 4 5 years down the line they're living together the relationship breaks up the person is in misery and depression what can you say i can't say i told you so you know but in in that process they demonize you yes so you will get persecuted for standing up for righteousness so the question i'd like to ask is have you been persecuted for righteousness sake and be careful how you answer this because sometimes we can be right but our actions are wrong and invite brickbats i know there was a time that in our family we were too we were over enthusiastic about sharing our faith and we did the very thing i'm telling you today don't do you know ah uh, you're praying to the saints you're praying to this you're praying to that you have this no and what did it do we won zero people over in fact what it did it it caused estranged relationships and we had to repent and we had to do the hard work of mending the bridges and building building the bridge again with the family thank god it has been restored but it took a long long time why we were not being persecuted for righteousness sake we were being foolish in our in our enthusiasm and we had to self correct but it took many years before uh, this particular uncle you know finally reconciled to us um but remember you know if people have not noticed that you are different check again how are we living how are we living we are in this world but we are not of this world and we do not belong to its values systems okay god has given us so and you know let's also not abuse grace let's uh, not abuse grace i keep saying this and again and again because we see it so often let's not be lukewarm read what jesus talks about lukewarm christians not my words jesus's words to the church when they are lukewarm what does he say we need to be hot for jesus that's why he says uh, paul tells uh, timothy fan into fame flames the gift that god has given you why because there's a tendency for the fire to die out and that is why we need to constantly be filled with the holy spirit god has given us the holy spirit to strengthen us encourage us comfort us guide us and lead us into all truth his holy spirit is that divine power that gives us the strength to say no to sin and yes to un, uh, to uh godly choices okay some people that were persecuted for righteous living in scripture abel was killed by cain david was hunted by saul uriah was murdered by david elijah was chased by jezebel daniel was thrown into the lions den and his friend friends shadrach meshach and abednego all the apostles except john read the fox's book of martyrs the chinese church and the church so many places elsewhere and yes even in our own country so how should we respond to persecution how do we display kingdom culture first of all let me once again say don't go seeking persecution we've not been asked to do that in fact jesus says pray that it doesn't come and if it comes he says run to the mountains okay The first thing we do is we bless 
we do not curse. We pray for them, we do good to them. Okay? 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, Remind yourselves that these troubles are but for a little while, for our light and momentary troubles. Okay? They are light and momentary, you know, but the glory that is to come far outweighs all this. There is a crown that awaits you and I. Everyone, he says, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, read Revelations, to him who overcomes, there are crowns that are waiting for us. And my friends, we do not stand alone. We do not stand alone. There are ten thousands besides that are cheering us on. Read Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, it says, scorned the shame of the cross. Scorned the shame of the cross. Let us be like that, fixing our eyes on Jesus. There is a promise of the kingdom of heaven here and now and in the age to come. There is a persecution that we will face at an individual level and there is a persecution we face as a church. You know that Colin keeps uh, sharing points in the interactive group and in the gym groups of what's going on. Many churches and pastors have been persecuted for their faith in our country and elsewhere around the world. Let, let us not forget Graham Staines. It's around somewhere this time uh, you know, of the year that it happened. What was he doing? He, his wife, his children gave their lives to, to serving the leprosy affected. You think they, they said, well done Graham. What did they do? They rewarded him with torching him and his kids. The nuns that were raped, let us never forget. Let us never forget. Women who have given their life in service to God may not be of the full conviction you have, but they are women that serve and love Jesus. Raped. Churches have been burned. Pastors have been beaten, put into jail. We have our own Shravanti's uncle who was beaten unconscious until today is in a state of coma. Okay? Let's pray for the persecuted church. Let us be provoked to being salt and light because we as salt preserve society and we prevent its decay. What is our response to be? It says rejoice and be exceedingly glad because we have a reward in heaven awaiting us. The Christian calling is a great one my friends. It's a great, it is the greatest, it is the highest calling. But it is also the most challenging one that you will ever live up to. You can chuck your job, you can change your career, you can change city, you can change house, you can change country. But this commitment is for life and for the age to come. May we be counted worthy, ones who will not look back and consider following Jesus too heavy a price to pay. Now, this calling is not just for Pastor Colin and all the other pastors. This is for you and I, for everyone who claims to be a follower of Christ. I'm not saying you need to have a career in Christian calling or Christian ministry. All of us have a Christian 
calling. You have a career calling and you have a Christian calling. Your Christian calling is to be Christ-like, to glorify Jesus. Romans 8, 17 says, And if we are children, then we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, that in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let me read that again, Romans 8, 17. Okay? And if we are children, then we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. He is worthy of all our devotion, our adoration, our what we call suffering and sacrifice. May we be not found wanting, but may we come through the test as pure gold. Kim kingdom culture is God's will for earth, has always been God's will for earth right from the time of creation. It was destroyed because of man's sin. Jesus came back to restore it, to restore our relationship back to the Father, to restore us to right identity as sons of God, restore us to right destiny. Okay, and that is that we have dominion over the earth, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters cover the sea. And that happens when sons and daughters of God take their place. All creation is groaning for the sons of God to take their place. And God's kingdom will come here on earth as it is in heaven, when you and I live as salt and light. In the last few weeks, we have looked at this and I pray that as we do that, our lifestyle will usher in the kingdom of God. When we are poor in spirit, when we mourn over our sinful state, when we are meek and do not retaliate, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we are merciful, when we are pure in heart and we are willing to be peacemakers, Ours will be the kingdom of heaven and his kingdom will come here on earth. I hope this series on the Beatitudes has challenged you my friends and is beginning to transform you and change you. Ask God to show you how you can put this into practice and I pray that he will guide you and strengthen you and lead you. Let's pray. God. I want to thank you that you showed us how good your law is, that truly it is worthy of being lived by. And I thank you that you showed us how to live this. And I pray that, that we would really walk being led by the Spirit on a daily basis, on a minute to minute, that we would be worth, live worthy of the calling, live worthy of the sacrifice that you have made, live as new creations in Christ, live to our new destiny, calling and identity. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.